0: John actually John had uh, John welcomed you this morning, and I want to welcome you to Community Heights, Happy Easter, happy Resurrection day and I do want to invite you, you are invited, everyone is invited for the next three weeks at nine thirty to come to the table to come back for breakfast because Our lives are busy, and they're hectic, and we don't often get opportunity to just hang out with each other, get to know each other. The early service can stay a little bit later and enjoy breakfast, and the later service can come a little bit earlier, and we could all kind of glom in the middle. And you might have to get to see people at Community Heights that you haven't seen in a long time because you go to a different service than them. So we want to welcome you the next three Sundays, the 8th, the 15th, the 22nd, to come at 9.30 and be a part of our time for breakfast. It's right in that spot over there. So if you don't know how to get here, just come in here and then just go through that door, those doors. It's really easy. I might still have to do that because I'm still figuring out my way around this building. So, why the resurrection? That's the question. Why the resurrection? Why the resurrection of Jesus? Why is it so important? I know the story... I'm just not sure it has much to do with me. So you know the story of the resurrection. You've heard it. And the question that I would ask, the question is, why? Why is it so important? Why is it so integral to our faith? So here's here's my short answer. The resurrection of Jesus was the beginning of God making all things new defeating death with life and destroying it the resurrection is god restoring redeeming and reviving all of his good creation the resurrection changes everything if it weren't for the resurrection jesus would still be dead and this would all just be a pipe dream right i mean it would just this would literally just be religion Dead, cold religion bound by information and facts that, in, in all honesty, would not be true. The resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus is the king. When he came, he, he's always been king, right? He's the eternal one, but when he came to this earth, he came not only as savior, but also as king, and he ushered in his kingdom, the beginning of what would be the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God right here on earth. He's the king of the kingdom, and he's worthy. Because he is, he's worthy to be followed, and he's worthy to be served. The resurrection, it validates It validates all of the claims of Jesus. Now in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about why God exalted Jesus, why God put him up and, and made him king over all the world. It says that Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So in today's world, it might be the gallows, right? We don't really do the gallows anymore, where where people go and and they get the noose around their neck and the bottom drops out, okay? We saw that, oh, a decade and a half ago, maybe about a decade ago with somebody. Um, Even death like that. Back then, the cross, the cross was a place of shame and humiliation. If you wanted to show your domination over somebody and their utter defeat, stick them up on a cross and let everybody go by and spit on them and throw stuff at them and watch them die in public. That's what it means when it says, even death on a cross. Therefore, because Jesus, and remember now, Jesus is God, right? Right? God the Son, even though God the Son was up in heaven, he didn't think he was so great that he couldn't come down and be obedient to death, even death on a cross, on a cross, on the death stick where they just stuck criminals and low lives and defeated enemies. The Roman Empire would put for scores of miles crosses on either sides of roads into places that they had defeated with dead soldiers and dead enemies hanging from them. So all the way down the via, all the way down the road, you would see the defeat of those people and the domination of Rome. And this happened to Jesus, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. He exalted him to the highest place And he gave him the name that is above every name. Any name in your life, his name is above that name. Any name in the world, any throne, any capital in the world, his name is above that name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every knee. Every knee at the name of Jesus. And every tongue uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the resurrection makes Jesus the king and validates all of his claims and shows the power of God over sin and over death and over hell and over its shame and humiliation. The resurrection of Jesus is our hope. All of our faith is based on the fact that Jesus is alive. So there's one day, right? There's one day out of the church here, one day, one day that Jesus is celebrated as to be the living Savior. And this is the day. And the resurrection of Jesus is our hope and all of our faith is based on the fact that he's alive, not dead, but alive. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there's a, there's a short section that I wanna read to you and this is the text we're going to look at, and then we're going to talk about the meaning of it, and then we'll be done. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how could some of you say that there is no resurrection? Now, Paul is writing to some who were teaching in Corinth that there's, there's not going to be any resurrection. I mean, this life is all there is. And when we die we die like dogs. We just stop existing. We go in the ground and we're just no more. We're no more. Now, I hope I didn't hurt anybody 10 years old and under when I told them that, they're gonna be, that their dogs are going to be no more, right? But, but we die. I mean, we just, like an animal would die and just the, the body would decompose and it just doesn't exist anymore. People in Corinth were teaching that that there's, there's not any resurrection. And Paul's writing and says, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you are saying there's no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ was raised. You see, he's connecting Christ being raised to our eternal life. Christ being raised to the resurrection of everyone else who's died. He goes on to say, and if Christ has not been raised... Well, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Your faith is useless. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. So it almost sounds like Paul's got this circular argument going, but he's trying to tell the Corinthians, listen, the raising of the dead is... Directly connected to Jesus being raised. And if you're saying that the resurrection isn't going to happen, what you're saying is that Jesus wasn't raised. Because if he was, he was the first one to be raised, and that's the promise that all the rest of us are going to be raised. That all the rest of us aren't going to stay like a dog dead in the ground, but that the breath of God is going to come back and he's going to raise our bodies to be, like he goes on to say later in this chapter, like his glorious body. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, seems like he just said this, but he's saying it again, and he's saying it in different words. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep, who have died in Christ, they're lost. Apparently, if the dead are not raised and if Christ has never been raised, if you've died believing in Him, you're lost. You're still in your sins. It's useless. And then he makes this statement that I had to put this one sentence on one screen. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. I mean, if... If it's only true while we're here in this life, but then in reality, it's all just smoke and mirrors, it's all hocus pocus, we're really not raised at all, Jesus wasn't raised, we are to be most pitied. Why would we be most to be pitied? Because we have the greatest message. We have the greatest message. Jesus gave us the greatest message. We have the greatest hope that we could die and yet live. That we could die, go down into the ground, and yet one day the grave would be open and we would be called back. And our souls, our immaterial parts of us who have been in the presence of God will be reconnected to our material parts and God would make us this forever body that would be nothing like our body now. If we were to go on in chapter 15, he talks about the seed, that seed that goes in the ground. I love it. I'm a New York guy. And when I came to Iowa, uh, we, would, we, we would just marvel at the change of the seasons and how everybody pays so much attention to them here. I mean, we just w- wanted to know whether it was hot or cold in New York. I didn't care about a field. I didn't care about, I didn't want it to rain. But here, people actually want it to rain. They want to rain on their crops. And it's, it's cute when you drive past the field. I don't know when it would be. Late May? And all the corn's like this high. Like little brush cut. Like the five o'clock shadow on a guy, right? Uh, and, it's all, and they're all in these nice, neat little rows. And I like driving by when you're just at that perfect spot where you just row, 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 row. You know what I'm talking about. That seed that goes into the ground, it's just this little seed. You come late in August... And there's this big, huge, taller than me, feet taller than me, this big plant. It's nothing like the seed. And Paul uses that analogy to say that our resurrected bodies are going to be nothing like the bodies we have now. The bodies we have now, they're like seeds. They're going to be put into the grave, and what's going to come out is going to be way different. And he's saying, this is such a great message that if it's not true, we're most to be pitied. We're pitiful, pathetic airheads walking around with this pipe dream of glory that's absolutely nothing. And he's saying it's all connected to the resurrection. In Christ, the next next, uh, verse here, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have died, the first fruits mean the first one. He's the first one out of the grave, he's the first one back from the dead. We say, well, others were raised from the dead. Yeah, they were raised from the dead, but then they died. They were raised from the dead only to die again. I'm not sure if that was a favor. Well, I already died once. You just raised me. Now I got to die again eventually. But to help the people who were in pain, Jesus rose, raised some from the dead. He raised the widow's son, carried on a beard down the street, and he. Pulled the boy off and gave him alive back to his mother. But the boy was going to die again. Jesus is the first. He's the first one. And if he didn't raise, then poof, this is all fantasy. But he has the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Christ. That's where our hope is. So the resurrection is really, really important. Really important to our future. It sets Christianity, as Pastor Jason was saying this morning in our sunrise service. By the way, we had a sunrise service this morning. We had like 100 people sitting in the lobby in chairs facing the doors. So the opposite way that you're facing is which way is that? Is this? Now this building is weird. So this is, that's south, right? Right, that's south? No, it's not straight now. We're on a little angle here. So anyway, we weren't facing the right direction, but we had an early service. And Pastor Jason was saying that the resurrection sets us apart from all the other religions, all the other faiths. The resurrection sets us apart from all of the rest of them. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So again, I wanted to ask the question, why the resurrection? Why is it so important? I mean, we're familiar with the story, but does it really have much to do with me? I have a couple stories for you. And I think that these, these helped me. These helped me to understand. When one of my sons was injured, he laid in a bed in a coma for eight days. And every day I would sit at his bedside and hold his hand. I longed for him to open his eyes. I so wanted to look him in the eye and tell him that I loved him. I wanted him to stand again so that I could hug him and whisper that I love him in his ear. I missed him. In a coma, he couldn't hear me, and I could not reach him. Every day, I would hold his hand, waiting, waiting for him to wake up. You know, God's a much better father than I am. And do you really think that he isn't waiting even more for you? If you have never decided to follow Jesus, so many people, so many people and we're characterized by this, like this. And, and us pastors are the greatest culprits. We're the ones that characterize our own faith sometimes. So many people think it's all about, oh, what, what do I got to do for God? What do I got to do for God? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I got to do this, 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 and this. It's not about any of that. What if it was that God was sitting next to you, holding your hand, waiting for you to wake up and look him in the eye so that he could tell you he loved you? That's what the resurrection is about. The resurrection is about God wanting you. So thank God my son finally woke up and he looked me in the eye and he smiled. I think God's waiting for you, if you haven't done it yet, he's waiting for you to look him in the eye with a smile of faith that says, I believe, Jesus, I believe. What you did, I believe who you are. I believe that you love me. I believe in you. I give you my life. If you ask me what the worst hour of my 30, 31 years today in fact, 31 years ago today I started as a pastor and in those 31 years I could tell you in a moment what the worst hour was. It was the hour I spent in a little waiting room adjacent to the emergency room of a hospital. An 18-year-old boy had inflicted harm on himself and he was on life support. I know we've got kids in here, so you can read between the lines. I sat with the parents in that cramped little room, and I'll never forget the sounds that came from their throats. The wails, the anguish, that raw, unimaginable grief when the doctor opened the door and just shook his head. just It didn't work. That cramped, little, awful room. And these people were good parents. But God is a much better parent than they ever were. And you don't think God is incapable of wailing over you, do you? See, the resurrection is about us. It's about the people that God loves. It's about God making a way to defeat sin and death and everything that would separate you from him so that he can have you, so that he can be with you. If you ignore and reject him, his grief over you is worse than the grief of those parents. His wails would be louder. His sorrow would be boundless. But your faith in him, your acceptance of his love, would would produce rejoicing in the heart of God greater than what those parents would have rejoiced had their son been restored whole. You're the one in the emergency room. God doesn't want to lose you. The resurrection is about you and me. It's about God wanting us. It's not about some list of do's and don'ts. Christianity isn't about a list of do's and don'ts, stuff that we've got to do to make God happy and to please everybody else around us. That's yucky. That's really yucky. God is not like that. All of the gods that were erected and put up and needed to have all these offerings and all this homage, those kinds of gods may be like that. The little G gods that really have no power at all, they need food dropped at the base of their statue in order to continue. God is the one who makes the food. What's the resurrection about? The resurrection is about you. One more story. My daughter and my son-in-law were approved to adopt And the months rolled on with failed matches and with continued disappointments. They couldn't have a child. Some of you have been there. Some of you have family members. You know the pain. Debbie and I would have conversation after conversation with Alyssa, our daughter, trying to instill hope in her, trying to lessen the discouragement she felt. Her arms ached for a baby, but not just any baby. They ached for the baby that God had prepared for them, the one that they would choose to adopt, choose to love, choose to share their name with, choose to bring into their home and make their own child. They wanted this baby, but the baby didn't show up. A year later, and the discouragement was almost unbearable, and for the umpteenth time, I said to my daughter, Alyssa, when, not if, but when you hold that baby. In your arms, you will look at him or her and say, It was all worth it. You are worth all the pain and all the discouragement. You're worth all the waiting. And you'll say to that little baby, I would have waited ten times as long to have you. And that day finally came, and the joy of loving little Addie has truly been worth the wait for Josh and Alyssa. Worth the tears, worth the discouragement. She's worth it all. Now Alyssa is a great mother and Josh a great dad. But God is a better parent. Don't think for a moment that his heart doesn't ache longing to bring you into his family. Don't think that he doesn't go through infinitely more ache than my daughter or son-in-law ever went through or your family member ever went through or you ever went through. God's going through that God wants you in his family. He wants me in his family. He wants people in his family. The Bible says somewhere that God is not willing that any should go off without him, that any should be separated from him. See, what's the resurrection about? The resurrection, the resurrection is about us. It's about us becoming children of God, not us signing up to do some kind of duty, God's not interested in that. You weren't interested in that when you had kids. If you've had kids, you had kids because you wanted to love them. You wanted a family. Where do you think you got it from? We're made in the image of God. God wants to love us. God wants to love you. He wants a family. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about this. Verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba. That word means daddy in Aramaic, daddy, father. For His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. My friend Johnny has a a boy who's, I don't know how old he is now, but he's about this tall. He's from Nigeria, and they went to Nigeria to adopt him, and they went through all kinds of stuff. It was really crazy. It got so bad that what happened was they had adopted him in Nigeria, but basically what they were told was, he's your son, you've adopted him, but you can't take him to the United States because the U.S. consulate will not issue him a visa. He can't have a visa for whatever reason. So they were in this no man's land. They're not residents of Nigeria, but they've got their son there, but they can't leave and, and get him on the plane with them. And Johnny called me on the phone, and he said to me, Jeff, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if God doesn't make this work, I don't think I believe in him. Now well, this guy was in seminary with me. He said, this is my son. I'm taking him home. If we have to leave in here... Leave him here. I I am doubting there's even a God. He wanted his son Joseph so bad. And don't fool yourself for a second to think that any of us can just like go on our merry way with our life and do our own thing and that God's just fine with it. And he's just okay to be separated from any of us for all of eternity. And that, I mean... Kind of humorously, I'm kind of humorous at the wrong times. So that's my problem. But, you know, God might say, man, if I, if I can't have them, I don't even believe in myself. Right? God, the message of the resurrection is that God wants us. That's the why. That's the why there's the Easter. So my question is to you is, would you say yes to following Jesus? To being a part of his family? Placing your faith in Jesus means believing both what he has done and who he is, that he's the Lord, he's the Savior, and saving faith, saving faith is so powerful that it actually causes you to follow the one you believe in. Imagine that, that you would believe in Jesus, you would believe in the work of the cross so much that you would say, yes, I'll follow you, I'll give you my life. Jesus said it this way. He said, For God, for my Father, so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus did all this because he wants you so bad. He knows all of your hurt and your pain and your sin and your messed messed upness. And he still wants you and he still wants me. He wants us. He knows our past. He knows our family. He knows our story. And he still wants us. He wants us to know that, that this story, this Easter story, this is our story. We're the ones to be resurrected. See, we, we, we're all so excited. He is risen, he is risen. The story is, you guys, you can be risen. I'm doing this so that I can raise you. I'm defeating death so I can be the first one to defeat death, to blaze the trail, to pave the way. You just come in behind me. He wants you to know that this is your story. You're the one who is to have intimacy with God. You're the one to have partnership with him in his work and a life filled with meaning and purpose, not just today, but for all of eternity as well. This Easter story is your story. All you have to do is write your name into God's story through faith in Jesus. Jesus, the one, the one who surrendered his story to your story. Like he could have come down and, I suppose, done anything. And he did. He did anything. He did anything that was needed for the story to be about you and me. Jesus is the Lord of all the earth, the King of the kingdom, and he's inviting you into his kingdom to follow him and so find purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment. When you allow Jesus' story to be your story, And when I allow Jesus' story to be my story, we get to give our lives to God. And only when we give our life to God are we able to truly live it. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you've got to give it to me. You've got to give it away. You give your life away in order to find it. And only when you give your life away to God will you be able to truly live. Easter's about the resurrection. Why is the resurrection so important? Because it's our story of new life. So, my question to you this morning is Will you, if you never have, will you believe in Jesus? Will you just give your life to Him and say, Jesus, take my life? I want a life of meaning and purpose. I want my story. To be that I'm a part of your family. And then you can truly start to live. I found just this little short two-minute video message. Don't blink or it'll be gone. Let's watch it together.
1: The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you. We have won. And now you're no longer slaves. You're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve, so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely, so repent. Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel. That you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more.
0: Jesus is your true love, He's your true life. For 30 years, I've been teaching and studying the Bible. You know what I figured out? Here's how you become a believer in Jesus Christ you just believe. That's how you get forgiven? You just believe. You don't have to take any classes. You don't have to sign on the dotted line. You just believe. And in that belief, you're believing that Jesus is the Lord and the King over all the earth. And that belief propels you to follow Him. And your life will never be the same. It's not that today I believe, and then I walk out and I live my life just the same. No, no, no. No, Jesus changes your life. He changes your life. When you believe in him, you begin to follow him. He does things with you and through you that you cannot imagine. The, the, the opportunities you'll have to make a difference in the lives of others and to serve others. The opportunities you'll have to go through heartache and loss, but have God there arm in arm with you and you get through it. And then you help others through life too. The meaning, meaning and significance of your life goes off the chart when you believe in Jesus. If you've never believed in Him before, would you believe today? I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray too. And if you've prayed and you've trusted Jesus long ago and have for a long time, you pray. And if you haven't, You pray too. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's talk to God together. Father, I thank you that Jesus is our Savior. I thank you that the resurrection speaks about you wanting us. It's not about you demanding from us. It's about you giving everything to us. Lord, I pray for all of us this morning that our relationship with you would be strong and true. If you're here this morning and you have never believed in Jesus before, you could just say this to God, God, as best I know how, God, you know my life. You know the struggles I've had. You know I'm tired of being in the driver's seat. You know the pain I've experienced. You know my low self-esteem. Or you know my pride. You know the sins of my past. You know how messed up I am. But God, as best I know how, I see that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want to believe in this Jesus. And I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. As best I know how right now, Lord, I give my life over to You. And I believe in my Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, no one, no one comes to the Father except through Him. Oh, I I just, I, I wish I could will you all to believe in Jesus the one who wants to give you everything and take from you really nothing. Because without Jesus, anything we have is worthless. But he gives us meaning and significance and purpose and adventure and a life worth living. Believe in Jesus today. Father, I pray for these folks. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would know your love for them, how much you want them, And when we come into the freedom of Jesus, it is true freedom. The freedom to just be. The freedom to receive from you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you this morning did this, said this for the first time to God, as best as you know how, on the way out, I'm going to be out there, just give me a fist bump or a high five or an elbow jab or just deck me or anything, let me know. I would love to know, and I I would just love to be happy with you. Thank you.